Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Scouting 5, recapping scouting news from around the world for the week of September 19th, 2022. I'm Scouter Ken, and I'm once again recording from St. Albert, Alberta. To begin, it's only fitting to note the passing of Queen Elizabeth II after 70 years of reign as the British monarch and the head of state of the United Kingdom, Canada, and many other countries in the Commonwealth as well. Over the last couple of weeks, many different corners of the scouting movement have all been offering their condolences and their thoughts and their prayers for the Queen and her repose. They've also been honoring her life and the legacy that she has left on the world and on scouting. Quoting Scout.org, The World Organization of the Scout Movement expresses its deepest sympathy at the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, dedicated supporter of scouting and youth education. Her Majesty, the UK's longest-serving monarch, died peacefully at Balmoral Castle, Scotland, at the age of 96. On ascending to the throne in 1952, she became the patron of the Scout Association and gave her name to its highest training award, the Queen's Scout Award. As an aside, it's also worth noting that in Canada, we have what's called the Queen's Venturer Award, which, at least if you look at the ages of the recipients, is roughly analogous to the Eagle Scout. We've talked about that on previous episodes. Throughout her life, quoting Scout.org again, Her Majesty was an inspiration to young people around the world. Scouts and national scout organizations united in recognizing the extraordinary contributions of Her Majesty, who embodied the spirit of scouting and was a role model for the values of voluntary service, kindness, and courage. Her passion and devotion to the scout movement was evident through public appearances at scouting events and Gilwell Park, describing scouting as a global force for good in the UK and around the world. Scouts are helping others and making the most of their lives. Over the years, Her Majesty also served as the patron to the Scout Association of Australia and had a lifelong connection with girl guiding and girl scouting, having first joined guides in 1937 with her sister, Princess Margaret, and later serving as the patron of girl guiding in the United Kingdom. And of course, there were many opportunities for scouts across the UK to do their duty to the Queen. And that's something that I think is worth highlighting, is that in Canada, in the UK, in other Commonwealth countries... Part of the scout promise is to do your duty to the queen. There is alternate wording that talks about, you know, um, duty to country, although in the Commonwealth, duty to country kind of encompasses duty to the queen, who is our head of state. At any rate, many scouts, there have been various stories I've tripped across. I'll share one of scouts who, you know, saw marking the passing of the queen in some way as doing their final duty to the queen before moving on to rendering their duty to the king, King Charles III, having now ascended the throne, although I don't believe there's been an official coronation yet. But, for example, um, there was a story of a scout leader who camped out in London for three nights prior to the queen's funeral uh, in order to pay her respects. This was one Zoe Maidment from Harlow. Um, She watched the procession with her mother at Parliament Square, uh, she had also observed the Queen Mother's funeral there some 20 years prior. Um, but evidently, she was there in full uniform and, like you'll see in the story, camped out for about three days before uh, that final procession and all of the events that followed. Scouts from Devon uh, also noted the passing of the Queen, held a service of reflection and remembrance at the city's cathedral to mark her passing. Uh, 
And they also had the opportunity at the end of that to renew their scouting promise now to King Charles III. And one more story, uh, this one from London directly, quoting the BBC. When Nathan Key joined the Scouts as a young boy, he never imagined he would be chosen to support the smooth running of the days leading up to Queen Elizabeth II's funeral. The 18-year-old from Bangor, County Down, is one of nine Scout leaders representing Northern Ireland in London as the Queen lies in state. He was nominated to take part and faced a nerve-wracking selection process, as he describes it. Nathan is part of the second Bangor Abbey Scouts and has been working through the night as part of his role in London. This is involving supporting the stewards who have been managing the queue to pay respect to the Queen as she lies in state. And when he is not helping out uh, queuing for the Queen, or busily involved with scouting, he evidently works in a sweet shop. And I guess that was the penultimate note. I do have one more note to share, um, because of course it's worth noting that the UK Chief Scout, Bear Grylls, was among those who was present for the actual funeral service of the Queen. Grills was obviously there in his capacity as the chief scout, representing the scouting movement. And in a way, I suppose, not just representing the Scout Association in the UK, but representing all of us who, over the years, have pledged to do our duty to the Queen. Moving on to a happier story, uh, worth noting another award recipient, Omar Lugo has been awarded the Bronze Wolf for championing world events and regional growth, quoting scout.org. Omar Lugo Aguirre has been awarded the prestigious Bronze Wolf Award for his dedicated service to world scouting events and for driving the movement's growth across Inter-America. He is the sixth person from Mexico to receive world scouting's highest honor. During his more than 30 years of service, he has positively impacted the lives of thousands of scouts across the world and consistently championed the hosting of scouting events, which he has described as a very challenging and rewarding endeavor. I wish more scouts, young and adult, could benefit from such an experience. A passionate scout since 1985, Omar's early scouting years were spent in various roles at the group, district, and provincial levels before becoming a three-time president of the National Board. He also chaired the task force that oversaw the relocation of the Inter-America Regional Support Center to Panama, a complex task that harnessed his skills in diplomacy, as well as the knowledge of logistics, communications, and funding campaigns. Omar developed a reputation for expertly navigating challenging situations, most notably in response to the N1H1 pandemic outbreak in Mexico, as chairperson of the organizing committee for the 13th Pan American Scout Jamboree. An industrial engineer by profession, Omar used his problem-solving skills again as an advisor to the 11th World Scout Mood Executive Board, where he was instrumental in maintaining the event's finances and ensuring unity among the leadership. So, well done, Omar, and congratulations on an award well-deserved. In other news, um... Scouts have been helping combat deadly waterborne diseases in rural communities, quoting Scout.org yet again. The Philippines is a culturally diverse country. It is home to over 15 million indigenous people from numerous ethnic groups who are among the poorest and most disadvantaged groups, suffering disproportionately in areas like health, education, and human rights. When Raymond, no last name given, first heard about the waterborne diseases affecting families and children of indigenous communities in the northern Philippines, he immediately wanted to be part of the solution. Having been a scout since early childhood and coming from a family of doctors, 17-year-old Raymond felt a sense of responsibility to serve his community. Providing clean drinking water to indigenous families became his focus. After talking to doctors and other experts, Raymond learned that many communities drank or cooked with unsafe water meant for land irrigation or coming from contaminated wells. These water sources brought diseases such as cholera, typhoid, dysent- typhoid dysentery, and E. coli to these remote communities. Between time spent on his schoolwork, hobbies, and scouting, Raymond raised funds to provide drinkable water to remote communities. This is where his partnership with Waves for Water started. 
Impressed by the 17-year-old scout's plans, the U.S.-based nonprofit provided Raymond with filtration systems and online training, which significantly contributed to his project's success. The story goes on to describe how Raymond targeted three different communities in the northern Philippines and also enlisted some help from other scouts in his school to work together to uh, get the water filtration systems installed and thereby reduce the impact of waterborne diseases on these communities. They even established a system of procedures to remain safe during the pandemic, uh, undergoing COVID tests before each visit and the like. So, well done, Raymond. That is an excellent way to serve your communities and to make the world a little bit better than the way you found it. And just to quickly touch on things regarding the Scouts BSA bankruptcy proceeding, U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal, a Democrat of Connecticut, has been proposing to possibly use federal funds to buy scouting properties, saying, quote, we have no time to waste. I'm emphasizing to my colleagues that there is a clear urgency here. His concern is evidently that, of course, these properties will be sold to developers, redeveloped into properties, condominiums, whatever, uh, and he would much rather see them remain, if not in scouting hands, then at least in the hands of those who will preserve them as natural areas. And so has evidently been urging some of his colleagues in the Senate and also in Connecticut proper to look at investing federal and possibly state-level funds in purchasing these properties that Scouts BSA is no longer able to hold on to. And I don't always talk about Scout Group anniversaries, but it's always worth noting when one hits a centenary. Quoting the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, When Boy Scouts of America Troop 215 started, the national organization was only about a dozen years old. It was the first chartered on October 21st, 1922, with Ernest C. Irwin as its first scoutmaster leading 24 scouts. Since that time, the troop has been led by more than 28 scoutmasters, served more than 1,000 scouts, and produced 186 Eagle Scouts, scouting's highest rank. It's not the first or the only troop that is old, but it's definitely a milestone worth celebrating, and the troop invites the public to join it from noon to 4 p.m. on Saturday, September 24th, at Bethel Presbyterian Church in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. The open house will provide plenty of time to mingle with former and current scouts, browse a museum of artifacts and memorabilia, view a slideshow of memorable moments, and learn about scout meetings and activities, according to the troop, which provides experiences and adventures to youth, who in turn provide community service. So congratulations to Troop 215. A centenary is no easy thing to reach. And to close out, one more story about Queen Elizabeth. This shared by a former RAF officer who was addressing the choice of airplane used to convey the queen to where her coffin was ultimately reposed. Quote, I never met Her Majesty the Queen, but when I was a staff officer in 2009, I was tasked with reviewing and rewriting the Operation Overstudy plans, which detailed how we would repatriate her body if she died overseas. The existing plan was for her to be transported back in a BAE-146, a smart business jet operated by 32, the Royal Squadron. However, the repatriation of Princess Diana in 1997 had not gone smoothly due to difficulties in loading the coffin into the freight bay. Subsequent modifications to the aircraft had made access to the freight bay almost impossible. With a requirement for the aircraft to be able to land at RAF Northolt, the only other two options were to use a C-130 or C-17. The C-130 was noisy and would impact the ceremonial aspects of her arrival at RAF Northolt, whereas the C-17 was quieter and was sadly very familiar with the repatriation role from undertaking the repatriation of service personnel who had died in Afghanistan. A dress rehearsal at RAF Northolt proved that it would work, but the impact of changing from a smart-looking business jet to a more utilitarian C-17 was fairly significant, and so approval from the palace for the change to our plans was sought. The response came back from Her Majesty the Queen. It was. If it's good enough for my boys, then it's good enough for me. An incredible person who I am proud to have served 
Rest in peace, ma'am. I know scouting is not a military organization, but I do think that that story sort of ably illustrates the queen and you know her constant attitude of service and her fierce, fierce love for her country and its people. Uh, the homilist at her funeral, and I'm probably going to butcher this quote slightly, made the remark during his homily that at some point early on in her life, I believe even before coming queen, uh, in a television interview or some sort of interview, perhaps a radio interview, um, the then princess Elizabeth remarked that she would devote the rest of her life to the service of her country. And he noted that uh, few times in history has a promise been more well kept than that. So indeed, rest in peace, your majesty, and thank you. And that is all the news I have for you this week. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, be prepared.